it's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 23, the Marshawn Lynch edition of the podcast. I could have gone with other more notable athletes to wear number 23, like Alexi Ponikarovsky of the Leafs or Francois Beauchemin. Or, 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 yeah, I guess uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. But Beast Mode Lynch is such a beauty. He, of course, very famous for such hilarious sayings as, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Or, I'm just about that action, boss. And he also celebrates every touchdown with Skittles raining down on him from fans. Lynch actually wore number 24 for the Seahawks and the Raiders, but he wore 23 when he first started with the Bills. It's apropos, good word of me to bring up Lynch, because almost undoubtedly, my guest on the podcast today will mercilessly mock me for his Patriots being my Seahawks in the Super Bowl five years ago, when Lynch famously did not get the ball on the one-yard line at the end of the game, of course, leading to Seattle being ripped for passing and being intercepted to lose the game. I've gone over that play on previous podcasts, but I'm certain, I'm certain of this, my guest will bring it up on this episode. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on my good friend, Jordan Coffey. I always say good friend. Do I have any bad friends? He's a former work colleague of mine at TSN, and he also played in the National Lacrosse League. I expect fireworks from this Butron. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Coffey. Thanks, buddy. So happy to have me on with the Stars to the Guests. I feel honored to be a part of this podcast. So thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully I can live up to the hype and give you the fireworks that you need. <laughs> I, I definitely know it. It'll definitely happen without question. I'm certain of that. And let's get started with something very near and dear to your heart. Uh, being a New England Patriot fan for about two decades and obviously loving Tom Brady, he switched to Tampa Bay in the offseason. Do you hate Tommy uh, TB12 now, or are you, uh, are you going to Tampa Bay, or what's, what's the status for that? Well, first off, he's the GOAT, so you can refer to him as the GOAT, uh, or TB12, or Tommy Touchdown, or Tommy Terrific, <laughs> or you can just call him Tommy Football, whatever you want. He's he is the GOAT. Um, I'm a Patriots fan. Let's get that straight right out of the gate. Good, I will good, not good. change. I am not a who's a Buccaneers fan other than Ken Ricard and my buddy Chris. Like I don't know too many Buccaneers fans. Josh, like they refer to them as the the Suckaneers, really. Um, <laughs> probably not. Probably listen, not next we'll, year. Uh, we'll see. I think. I think. Uh, I think it could be a Pat's Buccaneers Super Bowl. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see. But uh, predictions may be coming out a little early. But uh, to be honest. I, I'm a Pats fan. I'm a Brady fan. So I'm I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, how can you how can you not love the guy? He's he's the greatest of all time. He owns pretty much every record in the NFL, regular season wins, most passing yards, most passing touchdowns in the postseason, division titles, playoff wins, like you name it, Super Bowl MVP. This is where I cut off the interview and I and and, and I go uh, uh, bars and tone here for uh, all these records that Tom Brady has broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's obviously Listen, great. I, do I think the Bucks are going to be great? Yes. But here's do the I thing, though. A, a coincidence that Tom Brady now, or the Buccaneers now have, what, five primetime games? Uh, the most in franchise history? Coincidence? I think not. 
But here's the thing, though, with uh, oftentimes uh, teams, the, the hyped team every year. I remember years ago it was the Raiders after coming off a strong season, and they were terrible. A couple of years ago, the Niners were supposed to be incredible, and then uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got injured, and they were bad. The Browns last year were supposed to be amazing, and they missed the playoffs. So I feel like if you're the hyped team, you never want to be that team going into, uh, into a season. I hear you, but the, first off, the Browns don't ever believe anything <laughs> anything that comes out of the Browns hype. They'll always let you down. My brother's a Browns fan and he lives in disappointment because of that. Yep. The thing is with Brady is that he brings he'll bring a sense of consistency to the Bucks, right? Something that they never really had. I mean, Jameis Winston, their their defense is good. Mm-hmm. It's just they were put in such crappy positions all the time because of Jameis Winston. I think Brady will bring that kind of calming sense to the offense. I don't, I mean, they're in a tough division. Don't get me wrong. You know, with Drew Brees, it's going to be interesting to see him and Drew Brees go at it. I think they play week one, too. It's going to be a fantastic battle for that division. But the Carolina yes. and Atlanta aren't exactly world beaters right now, too. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty close to being up for up for grabs. Atlanta, Atlanta will never get over that Super Bowl loss. When you're up 28-3 in a Super Bowl, I don't think, I don't think you deserve to win another Super Bowl. Sorry to all the Falcon fans out there, but when you when you're up 20, 28 three late in the third quarter of a Super Bowl and you don't win, uh, something's up. The, Alarm bells are ringing. The Atlanta Falcons have always been the sexy toy. They always have the nice look. You know, they're always the team that you look at on paper and you say, "Wow, they got everything going on. They they have it all. They have all. They check all the boxes." But then take a look at the Patriots on the other side. Every year, the Patriots are always, for some reason, even when Tom Brady was on the Patriots, they were always the underdog. And they relished that kind of I feel that was uh, that was just uh, created you know, by the team, though. They weren't actually the underdog. That's not created by the team. That's good. If you look at their roster, there's no way you could tell me. Other than, I get that they play in a division. And that argument is the number one argument. Oh, they, you know, they're guaranteed. They're guaranteed X amount of wins every year because they play the Bills and the Jets. It's not, it's not their fault. They have bad I get teams. That. That's not, it's not but even they their fault, also right? go. They also go in and they smack around other teams. They beat the Steelers. They, you know, the AFC. I can't. What have they won? Seventeen division titles, sixteen in a row, or twelve in a row, or something like that. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are always the underdog. And that mentality, <laughs> that mentality, again, and, and no more than this year coming up. There was some sort of uh, article that came out that said they're, they're rated last in QB ranking or something like that with Jared Siddham. But you think Belichick's just going to go along with Jared Siddham if he doesn't think he's the next quarterback well, that's or been next QB that. of the future? I've been saying that to people. Like, what was he, a third or fourth round pick? So it wasn't like he was an undrafted guy or even, and, well, as we know, and, like late round picks or, or undrafted guys can be good, a.k.a. Tom Brady. But, uh, yeah, this, Belichick probably sees yeah, something in him, right? For sure he does. And Belichick is too proud to tank because I know there's been a lot of rumors out there that the Patriots are going to tank for Trevor. And they want Trevor Lawrence and, you know, He's going to be the next Tom Brady. Hate to break it to you, the Patriots will never tra- will never tank. No. They're too proud of a franchise. They have too much history. They're a contender every year. They're the benchmark of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm proud to be a Patriots fan, and I'm still a Patriots fan. So bring on the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Uh, like I said, the, the, the hype team never makes it uh, as far as everyone thinks they will. Obviously, Tom Brady is a different animal than you know Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the quarterbacks of those teams that were supposed to be good a few years ago. Thanks, but, Tips. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I feel, 
I don't know. Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, that just feels like it's not going to happen. I don't know. Four Super Bowl MVPs, you know, six Super Bowl wins, nine Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, he's a little bit different than Baker Mayfield, (laughs) I would say. Uh, But do you know what's actually funny? I always find amazing about the Patriots' run. Uh, I believe it was around a decade between Super Bowl wins, which is insane because they won the six titles, which is amazing, obviously. It just just blows my mind that they had this incredible run for basically, well, it was two decades, but yet they didn't win a title. Of course, one of those years they were 18-0 in the regular season, or 16-0 in the regular season, and it could have been 19-0 in the playoffs. It's just crazy to me. They won six titles, but didn't win for a decade. That's nuts to me. Well, yeah, it just goes to show you how hard it is to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. And I I think a lot of of football fans can attest to that. Mm Mm-hmm. What, what makes it and, and probably why a lot of football fans really hate the Patriots and they're probably a lot of listening or they've already tuned out now because there's so much Patriot <laughs> talk going off the top of this podcast. But respect to them. be honest, a lot of people hate the Patriots because they're always in the dance and it's it's tough to be there. It's yep. it's, it's 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 a grind. It is. It, people say the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. Uh, and I would agree with that, but I would say the next up is the Lombardi trophy. Mm-hmm. It, it is a grind and you have to stay healthy. You have to stay on top of your game in, in, in regards to offensive and defensive play calling. Cause those, those guys, like not only, I'm not just speaking about Belichick and McDaniels, but the amount of like film room study that they have and they do and they plan for in the future. So when they see you in the playoffs, heck, you know, you're a Seahawks fan. The Patriots were planning for that Malcolm Butler pick week four. There we go. I was we waiting. Saw, we I knew, was like, when we, uh, knew, we knew that play was coming, <laughs> and Bill Belichick had planned for it months in advance. I thought that. I thought that's this was the come type of that's earlier. the type of dedication and the type of <laughs> homework and hard work that gets put into winning Super Bowls. And you can't. Nobody can knock the Patriots for that. Do you know what's uh, funny about that play uh, in that Super Bowl, which obviously was a great game and. The amazing thing to me is, of course, everyone's like, always. I, I can barely convince anybody that Seattle should have should have passed because everyone yeah. thought they're going to run. But the amazing thing is to me, if it was a, such a stupid play for Seattle to pass on that one yard line, why do you think the Patriots realized that they were going to do it? So they had planned. So there was there's a format basically saying if they had X amount of receivers in, they would bring their nickel corner. So Malcolm Butler, if you look in the video, if you watch it again, his chin strap's not even done up. Right. Right. He he got called in at the like the last second to run in. And then if you look, Browner, former Seahawk, motions to him and says, Hey, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump and try to uh, jam the line. You go over top. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend, even if you're not a Patriots fan, I recommend everybody to watch. If you can find it on YouTube, it's called Do Your Job. It's an amazing documentary outlining that whole season. (laughs) And it it just shows you the work that the Patriots put in. And to be honest, I'm surprised Belichick and and the Patriots even released that because I know they're so tight-lipped with all their stuff. It shows a lot of like the the discussions and and the game planning that they have. Um, and it's just really eye-opening to see that they were planning for that play, and then on a on a dime, Malcolm Butler came in there, made a play, made the read, made the play, and ended up winning the Super Bowl. Because it was, I can't. The thing is with the Patriots in their Super Bowls, yes, they've won a lot, but always in close. They have lost. Yeah, they have. They have been nerve-wracking mm-hmm. all of them. Every single you one. know, there yep. is there has not been one blowout. And even the ones that they've come back and won, 
you know, the the roller coaster of emotion, it just it just uh, it's it's amazing. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I've always said, of course, they should pass because everyone in the world thinks you're gonna run. But what they should have done to me was roll Wilson out, give him a chance to run it in, throw the ball away, or throw the ball in the end zone. Don't throw a slant to a speed receiver, it's only a one yard pass, who's not a very physical guy. But again, the, the NFL more than any other sport, narrative is completely changed based on result. And if you, of course, you'll, I'm sure, remember, Belichick didn't call a timeout because he saw Seattle scrambling, trying to figure out that last play there. If Wilson yeah. completes that pass, there's about 30 or so seconds left in the game, and Seattle does that. What's the narrative? The narrative's not, oh, that's so dumb. They should have, they should have run the ball. No, no, the narrative, narrative is, it's amazing. Everyone thought they're going to run. What a gutsy call by Carroll. So if they complete the pass, yeah. no one's talking about how that's stupid. Yeah, but let's 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 let me just let me just hold you there, there, uh, hound dog. Let's not get into ifs and would haves and could haves because you know, mem- don't don't forget curses catch probably should never happen. Of course, it should. Don't happen, forget yeah. don't forget Tyree's catch probably shouldn't have happened. <laughs> right, all of these things that go against the Patriots. I'm just amazed it took about eight minutes or so into this interview before you brought up that Super Bowl because I was expecting, to be honest, immediately for you to uh, lay into me about that game. Uh, yeah, that was a great game. That was an awesome game, and I can't be bitter about the. Of course, I'm bitter about the result, but I can't be bitter about the game. Now, I mentioned off the top of the the podcast, uh, you uh, played in the National Lacrosse League. There must be some uh, amazing stories, embarrassing stories, or stuff uh, from your time uh, playing in that league. Yeah, I was. Uh, well, I was only a couple. No pun intended. Only a cup of coffee I, I had there, but um, before I worked at TSN. Great pun. Um, but yeah, it was you know it was something I, I played lacrosse growing up since since I was about four years old. So it was always something I wanted to do. It was it was uh, it was fun to to be a part of and, and get to that that level. Um, now let's let me be clear: the the National Lacrosse League and the National Hockey League, or the National Football League, or the big any of the big four are completely far removed from each other. Just to give you an example of that, I was in university on my couch drinking beer with my roommate and got a call on the phone informing me that I was drafted to the NLL. No clue that I was even involved in the draft. Really? <laughs> no draft. No draft party. No. No, like scouting or yeah, anything like that I, at all. No, I mean they they scout you just because you're playing in a in like the league in right. like a in the junior league. Um, so there's scouts in the stands, but not scouts in the fact that I can. There's no agent. There's no, you know, like it's just I was just playing and I was good where I played. I did not have any clue that I was going to be drafted or not. How many beers um, deep were you when you got that call? Like 15? I was probably about, like, I was in, I was in third year university. So I had probably about, yeah, I probably had about like five, six beers oh, into me was and <laughs> was feeling pretty good. And I actually <laughs> went to the fridge. So I wasn't even, it was my roommate, Bobby, who had the draft. Um, so these drafts obviously not broadcasted or anything like that. Uh, he had it just kind of streaming on his laptop and uh, he was just updating as it went. And, uh, <laughs> I went to the beer, I went to the fridge to get more beer. And while I was up, he's like, Hey, cough, you just got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, get out of town. He's like, yeah. I was like, where'd I go? He's like, Oh, you went in the sixth round to Edmonton. I was like Edmonton, okay, cool. So we sat down and and I got a phone call maybe like 
five minutes later saying, uh, you know, it was from Paul Day, the general manager, and just said, hey, you know, welcome to Edmonton. We, we drafted you and we expect you out in a training camp in Edmonton in a couple weeks. <laughs> wow. And that was that. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting to say the least. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time. It was fun to play. You know, you get to play in front of, I think there were some crowds I played in Philadelphia when I was there, um, you know, 15, 16,000 people. It was, it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was something I could say I did. And, and, uh, now I'm, uh, got a baby on the way and married and, uh, living the dream now. Yeah, congratulations on that. I still remember the yeah. the the first time I ever met you at TSN. You were talking with Hinda, uh, who her, her husband uh, also plays in the NLL, and you guys were talking about lacrosse naturally. And I still remember my uh, I think it was I'm pretty sure my first introduction to you, and I was like, "What? You guys are talking about lacrosse? Who gives a crap about lacrosse?" And then I realized, "Oh, oh, I see. Uh, you play in the NLL, yeah. and her husband. Okay, it's uh, quietly slunked off on that one." <laughs> Yeah, it's a niche sport. I don't know if it will ever get the. Uh, I don't know if it'll get the exposure that uh, that it needs to kind of get you know elevated into mainstream. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. They're 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 trying. They've been trying. Um, I just I just don't know if the if the demand's there. It's it's a very niche sport. I mean, I have some good golf stories on the golf course. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to hear those. Yeah. One one one, including yourself. Okay, let's go. You remember that when you when you uh, how how do we describe this sharded on the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the tenth tee? I um, I was talking on my Instagram live last Friday with uh, Skull the Skull Dog Instagram live with Skelly. Uh, he, this somehow came up as well, like your most embarrassing story or something like that. And yeah, I said the same thing. I was playing with Ryan Lane. That's the story, right? I mean, who knows? I might have oh, sharded multiple times. Well, I was there. I don't oh, know how many times oh, you sharded oh. your shorts, but oh, I was boy. there. And you weren't. So yeah, the story I was thinking of, you weren't there. So yeah, apparently this has happened multiple times. But <laughs> <laughs> I did with him. I think it was like the fifth hole, and I I made like four birdies on that front nine, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I did that. I go to the, into the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah, sure enough, I was like, oh. but if I make birdies, I will do that every single time. But no, what's your story though? I'm curious. Well, it was it was very similar where we, we saw you on I think it was nine eight or nine T deck and lining up your drive. You were wearing a light colored pair of shorts. I like to say white, and they had a little bit of a uh, dark tinge to them around the uh, <laughs> around the nether regions. So you know, as you do, you step up to the T box and you were doing your little waddle, and there was the three of us standing behind watching. And uh, one by one, almost like dominoes, we all kind of cranked our neck and looked at each other and said, did he, did he himself? <laughs> and, uh, oh, no. and we didn't say anything. You, you piped it down the middle. And uh, right. so we finished the hole and uh, you, you casually say, hey, guys, I'm just going to head into the uh, little boys room here and freshen up on a turn, maybe grab a beer and. I'll meet you back out of the cart uh, to start the back nine. Sure thing, hound dog. Sure thing, bud. Uh, we'll see you out of the cart. So you come casually, strong now. You got two Alexander Keats in your hands, and <laughs> we're sitting in the car waiting for you. And you come in, you saunter over, and you say, Good word. Hey, boys. So uh, I thought I might have 
myself and <laughs> definitely did. Definitely did. And uh, after that, it was great. You uh, you continued the round. Uh, I think you might have. You think you might have lost the underwear, and you were you were free willy and commando, and you played free and easy, man. It was a true John Daly moment. <laughs> well, of course, you always have to aspire to be him. And if it means, uh, like I said, if it means I play great golf, I will literally do that every single round because uh, that's just the best for sure. Now, I know that well, we had a great story uh, golfing uh, when we were in the Dominican Republic years ago with uh, a good friend, uh, Chaz, uh, with his oh, golf great cart. Trip. That was a great trip. Uh, tell us about yeah. that golf, uh, that, that story with Chaz on the golf cart. Yeah, it was uh, that was a good trip. But uh, I got a big shout out to uh, Catalonia, Catalonia, down in uh, Catalonia, down in uh, Dominican Republic. It was beautiful, nice, nice course and great service. Anyways, uh, I think it was tarps off for sure. All the guys were probably about 10, 12 beers deep, and uh, we I were was enjoying drinking, ourselves. Was and drink, nobody was on the course. Because we were the only only eight only four or eight or how many ever it was I don't even know uh, Canadians on the golf course at the time midday it's like so hot and we're the only ones on the course and uh, I'm chipping from about just off the fringe so I got about I got a seven iron in my hand about uh, thirty yards out I'm looking for a little bump and run and. Uh, <laughs> I'm lined up to hit the hit the chip, and I hear, "Oh, oh shit!" And oh, behind behind me, so so I turn around just in time to see the top roof of a golf cart go off the cliff, off a cliff that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. yeah. So our buddy Chaz, I don't know if anybody's been there, but uh, hit the old gas instead of instead of hitting the brake. So he was riding in the passenger seat. You know the old passenger drive mm-hmm. where you don't want to move, shift over and you're, you're driving from the passenger seat? Mm-hmm. So he had parked at greenside and then went to move it. He ended up hitting the <laughs> gas instead of the brake mm-hmm. and went over a set of rocks. Not not like uh, any Ontario course. This, this The course we were at literally dropped off about 40 feet off the side. <laughs> yeah of the green so i see this roof just drop <laughs> i think chaz is dead yeah he, he looked i run so i run over i run over to the edge i didn't even know it was that big of an edge get there i see the the cart t-boned against a palm tree chaz about 20 feet to the right of it sitting and just sitting there not saying anything kind of sitting there like a like a lump on the log and uh, I'm just like, what the, f- what the f- happened? And uh, we all run down, and Chad's okay. He bailed out, but uh, the cart was absolutely ruined, and uh, that was tough to explain. But the great thing about Catalonia, when I talk about a five star experience, hey, no worry, man. Whatever, it's just a golf cart. Enjoy your vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be remiss to uh, not discuss uh, some of our uh, favorite reality shows that we're uh, fans of. Uh, Survivor just ended the Survivor Winners at War on uh, Wednesday. What did you think of the uh, the season and the finale and the winner? Oh, uh, yeah. Great uh, great segue, by the way, Hound Dog. And, uh, you know, 
they're really way you're conducting this this podcast just fantastically a true professional <laughs> but i will say i uh, couldn't be happier with you know the finale was fantastic mm-hmm. and i couldn't be happier with with tony too uh i think he and this could be a little bit of a bold statement but i think he arguably is the best survivor player uh of all time hot take alert hot take alert I know he can be a bit self-destructive and, and kind of uh, self-sabotage his own game, but uh, this year really proved amongst all-stars and champions and winners of the past, he was the creme of the creme, and he earned that win. He, um, and he, he, there, was, there was obstacles in his way. And a lot of people say, oh, what about Sarah? Well, Sarah actually cost Tony an idol. True. Uh, you know, Tony was – Tony had – the he knew what was going on he had his finger on the pulse on every vote and didn't have his name voted down once that's insane to me it's crazy it is insane and for a guy that was causing so much chaos on every tribal he was always stirring the pot and mixing it up and if you if you're if you're a fan of survivor you'll know usually the person that stirs the pot they get bit once Mm -hmm. in a while Mm -hmm. it always comes back to haunt them Right. Because, uh, you know, when you're throwing out people's names and, or, or changing the plan, usually people stop and they say, you know what? Screw this. Let's just vote this guy out. Mm-hmm. Never happened to Tony. And that that is a testament to his to his survivor capability. I, I think he's the I think he's the best survivor player ever to play. And I, I was a big fan of Boston Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but I think I think Tony surpassed him this season with the, with this win, solidifying himself for sure. Well, he has uh, two wins. He's only the only the second two time winner. Of course, Sandra being the other one. But Sandra this season, and she was on it. She got voted off with the biggest rookie mistake of all time, giving her way her way uh, her idol away to Denise, and then Denise voted her off. That's like that's rookie one one mistake. First of all. And then, uh, then she just quit once she got to uh, the the edge of extinction. That's like, no, 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 no. You cannot be. You can't call yourself the queen. You can't call yourself the best player of all time. None of that. You cannot do that if you quit the game and also make a blunder like that. No chance. So yes, I agree. Tony's the best. The thing is, like Sandra, yeah, she's the queen. Her time is done. I could see Tony coming back and winning again. I think Sandra's done. I think Sandra's time on survivor is done and good riddance see you later yeah absolutely she was great uh but i think tony with his spy nest you know like he the guy just brings a whole and and like i said he usually self-sabotages himself mm-hmm. he held himself in check he that's another beer by the way he said nice. he held himself in check he played a real uh, kind of low profile game and then when he needed to, he pounced. And that's what Survivor's all about. And uh, you can't say enough for for a guy that beat the best of the best. Yeah, he's definitely uh, an incredible player. And uh, I actually write for a uh, sports betting dime website. And they actually asked me to do, before the season of Survivor, to do an article, just create my own betting odds on who I, who I thought would win the game. And I pretty much nailed almost everybody in terms of like, you know the the non threats like the the Michelles of the world, the the, the Denises, the uh, the Knicks, the, those those type of players aren't going to be huge threats yeah. in a season of all winners. <laughs> Having said that, the the player who I said had the least chance of winning simply because, like you said, so destructive. I'm like Tony has no chance. They're going to vote him off right away, and for him not to get any votes at all, 
Incredible. I I, uh, I couldn't be more wrong on that one, and uh, and I couldn't be more happy, to be honest. He, he's a great winner. Yeah, but to your point, it's not that you were wrong. If, if you look back at the season, all the OGs, in quotations, got voted off. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a true young blood season. They were picking everybody off. You know, they were picking the old vets off very quickly. And I don't know how Tony did it. I don't know how he maneuvered through the weeds. But kudos to him, man. He he played the game. He outwit, outlast, outplayed. He, he did it all. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next season. Now, I didn't catch what the next season was going to be. I thought it was hilarious that Probst had a home set up in yeah. his garage. Yeah. Like, I figured he just, that was his basement, and that's the way he lives. I figured <laughs> that was his, like, the way he sleeps, just you know lives in the survivor tribal council <laughs> what yeah. a savage probes he is i love that guy <laughs> but um but uh to have him set it up and adapt with the whole covid situation uh to be honest for me and i don't know about you but i love the no reunion show the reunion show is all fluff and and, and propaganda anyways i just love more survivor just yeah. give me more survivor you know scrap everybody getting dressed up and dolled up in la i don't care about that give me give me more gameplay yeah absolutely uh, actually they didn't say the next season because they haven't filmed it yet so that's up in the air with this whole pandemic situation so well our buddy uh ryan lane Big Red Machine was saying that it was going to be he heard it was going to be like a father versus father and sons or mother and daughters oh, uh, I haven't heard that yet that, 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 that's not too yeah, bad so I think they did that years a, ago Blood versus Water I hot think take. they usually film from what I gather they, they film two three seasons at a time yeah two seasons pretty much back to back two Ro- seasons yeah because Rob had been out there from the Island of the Idols and then the, he, he had been out there for a while yeah, man. you could tell he 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 he, <laughs> he seemed tired this year. You know, he just didn't seem like he he, he had his fastball anymore. Unfortunately, I love yeah, that guy. He though. looked worn down, and it's probably because he's been out there for three months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think his time's done. He's just an old grouch. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, I was surprised this year he didn't really adapt. I would have thought he would have tried to do th- something different, knowing his strategy. But, I would have thought he would have tried like, like Tony did. Tony sort eh, of changed his strategy, but Rob but the didn't. thing is with Rob, he, he's so he's so in it he's there's no changing strategy you almost got to double down and that's what he tried doing i think is double down on like the og the the boston rob the i know everything and it came back to haunt him because I, I don't think there's any in between he couldn't go back and be you know like oh i'm, I'm gonna try to adapt and, and get in with the new guys because it would just be fake and they would they would see that and it would show weakness rob's not a guy that would ever put himself out there to be vulnerable like that and especially with his wife being on the show as well i think he just doubled down and you know i feel bad for him I, that's why i say he his time's done and i think i think tony can play again yeah. and i think tony will go down as the, the survivor og because I, I think rob has run his course and kudos to him you know i have i have no no disrespect or anything like that. Rob, Rob's a great survivor player and he always has, um, and he'll go down in survivor history, but, um, I think his time is, is done. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you, man, you might, you said the word vulnerable uh, there a few seconds ago. Uh, speaking of, uh, of that word, that's a word that's uh, very often used in other type of reality shows that we like, uh, especially uh, dating reality shows too hot to handle. Uh, you watch the whole series. Oh. 
Uh, tell me uh, what you thought of it. I thought it was actually really, really funny. Yeah, so uh, great. Another great segue. Two points for Brian. for Hound Dog here. He's just he's just absolutely firing on all cylinders here. <laughs> um, a true a professional. Some would say the Tom Brady of podcasts. But uh, to be Brian honest, I, I, I did not want to watch this. I, I was texting you though. I'm like, dude, you actually, gotta watch this show. It's so good. So I actually tuned in one night for like the first five minutes and tuned out, and came back around maybe a week later and ended up watching it with my wife. My wife was was pleasantly surprised, but yeah, what what do I say? Too hot to handle. <laughs> Francesca, I mean, the Canadian, was the the breakout star of that what show. A tr- what a tr- what a train wreck! What a train wreck! Um, I mean, beautiful people. Terrible storyline, terrible premise, beautiful. Uh, I love the resort. premise. I, I thought it was interesting because it was different from other reality shows where they're, of course, making out and, and basically wanting to bang right away. It was kind of cool that they would get penalized and would lose money if they were to do that. So it was kind of a it was a unique twist on it. So my my biggest thing right out of the gate is the amount of money. So if there's say ten people there and the the grand prize is fifty thousand dollars, like I you know. If nobody kisses at all, what are you getting? Like, is it really worth it? You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the contestants, one of the contestants said, "Like, well, I'm getting a free vacation. I'm getting to hang out with all these people, free meals, free booze. I might as well just make it. It's a win-win for me, anyways. It's yeah, not like yeah. it's coming out of my pocket, right? It's all. And I'm playing with house money here. Mm-hmm. So, right? It's just, I don't know. It was interesting." Uh, I don't say I don't think I don't think there should be a a season two. Oh, there will be for sure because that was a huge hit on Netflix <laughs> without question. Well, who knows though? When again, just like with Survivor, who knows when that'll actually happen? But yeah, that show was. So let's pretty talk popular. about the finale here. That was the most the the reunion was the most exciting part for me because <laughs> I was really dying just to see all these uh, relationships that so called you know they fell in love and they grew emotionally. Or, whatever whatever yeah. their their stupid buzzwords were but the the funny thing for me was to see them all just you know blow up and when they get back to reality surprisingly the one i said and i said to my wife there's no way uh the canadian girl francesca francesca and harry yeah there's no way those two are still together it's incredible somehow they are and I said Sharon and Rhonda, yep. Sharonda, were actually, I thought they had a chance. Yep, definitely. And yep. au contraire, mon frere, I was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And what the hell was Sharon in? She was in some Smurf room? I don't know if anybody watched it, but like, he that was, was in some sort of blue blue powder room in his house well the weird thing was they had like a uh like a big uh uh light behind him like you know where where you would have normally the light you wouldn't see the light in the shot but it'd be it would be focusing on the subject which would be him but it was behind him it was like what what where is he right now i was thinking the same thing i think i think that's if you're like if you're an influencer on social media i think you 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 have those lights right i hate that term so much in those and uh, I think you, if you keep trending, Hound Dog, and you keep having me on your podcast and stuff like that, you soon could be an influencer. A social media influencer? Oh, God. Yeah, you could be, you could be the guy. <laughs> I have to make stupid TikToks? God, I hate TikTok so much. I can't, I can't stand it. Oh, hey, feel free to add me on uh, TikTok, Jordan Coffee 7 There was one thing on that reunion that I th- found interesting. 
I can't even, to be honest, re- remember how it came up. I think it might have been in one of their games, but it was, um, I think the question was, who is the person who most likely would uh, walk around naked in their house? And all the yeah, people. Sharon was. Yeah, yeah, they all picked Sharon or something. And I was like, who does that? I, I, I thought that was the weirdest thing. Do you do that? Uh, not to get too personal, but uh, I think it's really dumb. Pretty weird. To answer your question, yeah, but no. So, like, I don't walk <laughs> around with no purpose. Like, so I'll walk around if I have to get something or if I'm, like, out of the shower, if it's situation presents itself. But I'm just, I'm not just, like, walking around, you know, getting a <laughs> cup of be, coffee. So you know, weird. opening, closing the blinds, you know, you know, I'm not doing laundry. You know, do, you don't do that. You know, you put on, it's, you know, you put on a pair of shorts or whatever, you know. It's not, uh. It's not free willy. It's just that's the weirdest thing going. Yeah. If I could drive the ship here a bit, let's get into some more juicy talk. What else you got for me here? Okay. Um. Let's go to let's let's talk about how bad the Montreal Canadiens are. Uh. Your big absent. <laughs> um. The Can- uh, You know. You love the Patriots and they're great, but let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, you're gonna bring up the Habs. There's no hockey right now. The Habs. The Habs. Uh, what are we gonna do? A shortened playoff series? They could be in the playoffs. What are you gonna be, do? I don't want to talk funny. about the Habs. There's no reason. Oh, to talk about now the you Habs don't want right to talk now. about the Habs. Yeah, interesting how yeah. that works. Eh? Uh, actually, I love the fact no. that the Habs are like. Please give me the Habs, like ninth and tenth in the Eastern Conference, like the Maple Leafs used to be years ago. That's the perfect spot if you don't like the team for that team to be. Not bad enough to get the great picks, but not good enough to make the playoffs. So yeah, I think we should talk about it for the next uh, fifty-seven hours. Talk about how that ba- how bad the Habs are. Well, that's what you wish upon every enemy, you know, just meteorocracy and mm-hmm. being not good at anything. But uh, I mean, I think I think the Habs. I'm still not sold on Claude Julian. Uh, from day one, I haven't. Uh, I mean, he has he has a great pedigree, and I get it. But I I don't know. You're only as I'm good as the players, on. right? It's not like he forgot how to how to coach being a, a you know a good coach. You're only as good as for the most part. You're only as good as your players in hockey. I find I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. But having said that, there's got to be some sort of system in play that you can. And the Habs do. They're a very quick team, hard on the puck. But you know their knock has been they're too small. They get bullied. So even if they do squeak in the playoffs, do I see them making it far? No. Can Carey Price steal a couple games? Yeah. Absolutely. My biggest concern about the Montreal Canadiens as a fan is is wasting, and I hear this all the time from all you idiot Leaf fans, uh, <laughs> is wasting, you're wasting Carey Price's best years. Right. Um, you know, and w- yeah, okay, I, I agree, but like, what do you want us to do? It's not like we can just, yeah, you yeah. know. You can't just all just of a sudden get pull, a, a whole new team. Like, yeah, there's no, there's no magic formula to just say, hey, yeah, let's get uh, – you know, let's get this guy and this guy. Let's get Ovechkin. Let's get this. We just can't do it. Yeah. Right. No, and Bergerman has made a lot of moves and a lot of bold moves to try to put himself in position to, you know, to make a splash. But it's tough in the NHL. It's actually kind of funny. Cap. Like a couple of his trades that were uh, panned at the time, uh, getting Shea Weber for PK Subban and then getting uh, Max Domi for um, for uh, Alex Galchenyuk. They've actually worked out. So, yeah, it, it is funny how Bergevin uh, was ripped for those trades at the time, but turns out he was actually correct. Yeah, I don't I don't think Bergevin's the problem. Um, I think the people before him might have set him up for a little bit of disaster. I don't know about, you know, Cole Caulfield. 
I know Craig Button's high on him. He's very small. I don't know if he's going to turn out to be the NHL star that you need to be. I know the new NHL is a little bit different. You don't need to be big and skill and speed are, are more important, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, Montreal's the good thing about Montreal is we'll never embarrass our franchise like the Leafs did with the whole horror check era. Um, that's something we're too proud and but that's good we though. obviously have the most we have the most thing. Stanley we have the most Stanley Cups ever and we're we're probably um the most beloved franchise in NHL history and I don't think we would ever embarrass our franchise and our reputation like the Leafs did with that whole horror check era where they tanked. But that's good though. Um, like you want to tank cuz then they got Austin Matthews and like Mitch Murner and, and William Yeah, Nylander, see that's like... such a that's such a loser mentality if you ask me, right? True. So but you got you worked. got who who'd you get? You got Nylander, you paid him a boat of money. You got Mitch Marner, he's a one-way player. But you got Austin Matthews, yeah, he's he's a great player. Um but very soft. I don't think the Leafs are in any any position to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I think Fred Frederick Anderson is an average goalie, maybe good goalie. I don't think he's a great goalie. I, I, don't think, I think he's, he's very good. Unfortunately, Game Sevens have not been his forte. I will say that. Uh, uh, I would also say, I would argue with that, saying he has a lot of goal support. So I'd like to see him play on a team like the Montreal Canadiens and maybe only have two goals a night and see him win a game, only letting one goal in. You can say that I think Frederick Anderson's right? stats are no, no, I, yeah, obviously, but I think most nights Frederick Anderson is has uh, four or five goals cushion. So hey, as long as I don't let in four goals, but he also he also has a horrible we, we defense. Have the chances of winning this game. He also has a horrible defense that will give up a thousand chances a game. So there's almost like a uh, almost like a a trade off there. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not. Have saying Have you that. seen Jeff Petrie play hockey? I have seen Jeff Petrie play hockey. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say the Leafs uh, or any in any way have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You never Listen, know, of you, course. But your rebuild, the Leafs rebuild. Your time is to win now. Is is now? Right and now. you're not even playing hockey. You're not even playing hockey right now. Yeah, so it sucks. Talk yeah. to me. Talk to me. Uh, talk to me in 2022 when uh, when Matthews has knee surgery. Uh, <laughs> you know, Nylander, Nylander's in a rehab, and uh, and, and Marner is your first line center. Center, wow, interesting takes. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this. I can't believe I didn't even think about this before uh, when we were talking about golf, and of course, your love of Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson playing against Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods. Are you in any way intrigued by them? Oh, well, twofold here. My answer, uh, of course, I'll be watching the Pun Tom intended. Brady match. Pun intended. <laughs> Uh, I'll be watching the Tom Brady match, of course, because he's the man. Uh, he's the goat, and him and Mickelson are gonna absolutely kick the shit out of Tiger and Peyton. That's weird. And I'll give you my reasons for it. Okay. Uh, Mickelson has beat Tiger before, one on one. Yep. And Pete and Peyton is Tom Brady's little bitch, to be honest. Brady <laughs> owns Peyton in every aspect of everything, so mm-hmm. I assume it's going to carry over to the golf course. I'll be good for the Brady Manning. I love any cross-sport battle. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Coffee, for uh, being on the podcast. You were electric. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully all your listeners enjoyed. And uh, you know, Hopefully hear from you soon, and I'll continue to listen. It's a great pod, so uh, keep it on up, and uh, stay easy, buddy. You too, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. I'll see you on the golf course. Cannot wait. Yes. Great episode. Love talking to him. Like I said uh, earlier, I'm surprised it took him that long to talk about the Super Bowl against uh, Seattle. 
Last weekend, uh, he showed me a bunch of videos of um, the Patriots beating Seattle on that one-yard line, uh, that last play, and I just said next question every single time because I did, I did, of course, I don't want to watch the highlights of it over the lowlights for Seattle. But he was great. Love hearing his stories, but the uh, playing in the NLL and uh, yeah, the, uh, football and uh, Survivor, of course, are our biggest passion. What, what a great show that is. And I'm really excited to get him on the podcast. He's a really, really great, uh, great guest and really funny. And we'll for sure have to have him on again. I feel I say that every single time, though, about these guests, eh? It'd be kind of funny if I said, like, you know what? Dave Poulin, eh, eh, wasn't very good. Uh, I think I'm not going to have Dave Poulin on, on, on again. But, of course, I'm kidding because he is a Butron without question. But it would be funny if I uh, had these platitudes, good word, about these people, and then I uh, just uh, didn't actually want to have them on the pod again. Uh, again, but I definitely do. I swear to God! I definitely want to have Jordan Coffee on again because he was great. Thank you for listening to episode 23 of the H-Dog Pod. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Bing. Oh, I'm in a glass case of emotion.